Welcome to the True Voice podcast with your host, LaShawn Smith. Hey, welcome to True Voice, where we learn more about today through stories from amazing people. This is season two. I'm your host, LaShawn Smith. Here on True Voice, we talk with people who have remarkable stories that entertain, teach, and offer a human perspective on how today's most pressing topics remain deeply connected to our past. I hope you enjoy today's episode and look forward to you joining us each week. Today, I'm joined by Marie Henderson, and we're going to talk today about small business. I love it. Marie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Good to be here. Um, Now... I want to get into, you know, kind of the your journey of operating uh, your small business. This record store it just has uh, a lot of really interesting um, things uh, that I'm interested in. And I believe the audience will be as well. Um, but before we get into that, let's start with uh, kind of the beginning of your journey. Tell me where you were born and raised and what your childhood was like. Well, I was born and raised. I was born in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, I stayed there up until I was 14 years old. I lived there with my great aunt and my mother and my father. Well, most of my relatives were there. But then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, during the times was hard. So he left and came to Chicago. And we stayed Mm -hmm. there. So when I came to Chicago, I was 14 years old. My first year in high school. Scared of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Small family, big family? I have, you know, remarkably, I have a very, very large family. My family, my grandmother on my father's side had 11 kids. My grandmother on my mother's side had eight kids. And out of that, my my all my relatives from my uncles and things, we had, they had a lot of kids. So in my family, there were eight kids. And the other families was more than that. But we managed to survive. We survived. And I always yeah. had my mother and my father. You know, I've always mm-hmm. had a mother and father. For your parents, um, what lessons did they teach you early on in life? Well, early on in life, it, we were all we were all grouped together as children. So uh, we didn't. When we first started out, we started out with three children. It was me, my brother Gene, my sister Barbara, and as it come along, the family grew. It was my brother Jerry, my brother Robert. Then I had a brother, uh, uh, a brother named Reggie. That's the last of the group. Two of two of my brothers are dead. But uh, my father and my mother taught us that we had to be very close. They taught us to always, whatever we had, we shared. You know, if one had something and the other one didn't, we would share from money to clothes to food. We, we were always taught that a family is a family and families should always stick together. Mm-hmm. Then they taught us how to save. I forgot to tell you on one time they taught us how to save because we lived around a little store. This is his life story. We lived around a little grocery store in the South. It was very prejudiced, but the people knew us because my father would trade there. He would set up us a, us a little uh, store where he set us an account up. And each one of us, the individual three kids, had an account. We could mm-hmm. and buy little, you know, like little candy and stuff. We had, mm-hmm. a, we had a certain amount of money to spend, and we knew how to handle that. And that's right. So as we grew older, my father, he taught us how to cook. He taught mm. me how to cook. My brother had to cook. My sister never could learn. <laughs> but uh, he taught us. <laughs> so having parents that had to work all the time, uh, we had to access to a home life. My sister that couldn't cook, she was a cleaner. My brother and I did the cooking, and I did the washing and stuff. So we grew up in, a, I say a normal family then. I don't know what the kids call it then, but I was glad they taught us the value on life, you know, and what to do. Right, right. And how to get it. So we learned it at an early age. 
Yeah, no, that's uh, it's great to get those skills. Now, you you were um, you're born in Jackson, Mississippi, and then you said you moved to Chicago. Uh, what year do you move to Chicago? I came to Chicago, 1955. Mm-hmm. And I've been here ever since. All right. What part of a town did you move to first, and and where um, do you live now? I came when I moved when we stepped off the Greyhound bus here in Chicago. We were on the west side. And we've been on the West Side ever since. Now, mm-hmm. My family, all of us are the West Side people. So we was on Roosevelt Road, then we were 19th and all. And now, and I, my my husband, and I bought a home here on Monroe and Costner. And we've been on the West Side all our life. I've never been no other side of town. Yeah. Now, when you first showed up, uh, you said you're about 14 years old. Um, I, I don't believe you had any family or any other relatives. So, um, you know, you show up, how did you kind of build relationships or did you just hang with the family, you know, hang out on the porch? Like what was, what, you know, how did you kind of start getting connected to the community? Well, you know, when we came here, we had quite a f- bit of family here in Chicago. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, my father's sisters was here and mm. they had, he had a couple of brothers that were here and we had cousins and things that was here. And we had, and so uh, it, it was fine. But when we first came in, getting used to the neighborhood was strange because kids coming from the South, we didn't know what snow was. I knew when I, my brother Jerry was born in 1948, that was the first snow we had ever seen. No snow since then. So when we stepped off that bus in Chicago in 1955 in the cold weather with the snow coming down, it was like a shocker because we didn't... <laughs> We didn't have the right, we, in fact, we didn't have the right dressable clothes on. So, you know, we like to right. death, but we made it. We survived. So the day you arrived, um, <laughs> it's snowing. You're like, welcome to Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. It was sleeting, it was snow, if you say sleet and rain, it's slipping. Yeah. And tell, we, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, no, that's great. Tell, tell me, um, I just want to get the visual. So you, um, your family packs up, you're on this bus. Like, how's everybody even sitting on the bus? You guys like taking up two rows? You know, you got a big family. Oh, good. On the bus, coming from the south, we were in the back. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. We were on the back bus, people. So we cuddled together in the back of the bus. That's how you, you got, got that. it. Uh-huh. You, you, if you, uh, you need to sit on top of each other, you help each other, you on the bus. You crammed it in. How long is that ride? How long does it take a bus ride from Mississippi to Chicago? Ooh, you know, I don't know, but it was quite a ride. Because we yeah. had buses had to stop in those spots and you had to get off yep. the bathroom and get back on. And we were young kids. Face, I was only 14. My brother was 15. My sister was under me. She was three years under me. And then my uh, it was it was six of us kids. And then my youngest sister was only two years old. Mm. And so all of us was kids. My brother was three years old, so my youngest brother. Uh, then and so it was kind of my and it was only my mother and so she had to have us all and she had to pack us a little lunch. Mm-hmm. We had a little lunch on the bus. Yes, she packed us a lunch. And, but I remember those years. We laugh about it sometimes when we get together. We laugh about how we came up here and what happened. You know when we yeah. got off the bus and when we woke up the next morning. We my father brought us to a, 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 a apartment building. It was a store underneath. And we had to go up these flight of stairs. And so by being a store, you say we lived on the third floor, but it was like I call it a high rise because you had to climb all those stairs and get up there. <laughs> get some exercise. Exercise. And when and this thing about it is we moved into a kitchenette hmm. because there was nothing available. We was on the west side in the kitchenette. So my mother and father, they took the living room. And being us so young, my brothers, they had one bed sideways and the other bed the other way. 
My brothers had that bed, and my sister and I had this bed, had the other bed. But mm-hmm. years go by, it didn't prove because we moved and we got our own little rooms and things, you know. It's come yeah. But it was joy. What, yeah, what, what was the, what's the energy like for a 14-year-old girl who is like, you know, were you afraid? Were you excited? Were you like, this is an adventure? Like, what were you thinking when you showed up? What was your energy? Scared. As a kid say, I was afraid because mm. I didn't, we didn't know what we were coming into. We just know we was coming to a new place. We was finna settle down into a new home. And so quite naturally, kids, you know, you're fearful. You don't know. But we were our parents, but we didn't know. Because mm-hmm. the, the saddest part is, like I say, when we woke up the next morning, we looked at our windows and we lived across from Douglas Park. So when we woke up that next morning and we looked out the window and the park was so beautiful, all this snow. And we mm-hmm. saw that, like, you know, kids, like when they see their first Christmas tree and stuff, that's where right. I was. <laughs> and we wanted to go down. Couldn't go down in it. Didn't have no books. Didn't, uh, have, the didn't have the clothes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the clothes. So it was exciting. But my father got us some stuff. He took us. So we had a good time. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed that's it. great. Um, you know, outside of the snow and kind of getting acclimated, what's one of, uh, tell me a story, one of your, um, you know, happy early mem- uh, memories as a child growing up in Chicago. My, the, the uh, I had three. My first one was when my father told us it was, a, it was gotten warm one Sunday. It was kind of cold and he had bought us some little jackets. And he said, I'm going to take you down to, then it was called Jewtown. Mm-hmm. We were so excited because when we went down there and the stuff that was there, you, did you ever go to Jewtown? I've been there before. My grandmother took me. The old one where you can imagine because you mm-hmm. walk around with your mouth open and you're spinning and there's so many people and they trading and stuff. And it was just, it was exciting to us because we had never seen anything like that before. And my second was when I went to school, I was excited to get in school and I had to go to an interracial school because it was mixed, but it had very few blacks in it. So we had to cope with it. And so I was always striving, trying to be as good as everybody else. But then I realized I wasn't the best of everybody, but it kept me going because it kept me saying that I'm going to graduate from this school. And if I, whatever grades I have, I'm going to try to keep them up. So I enjoy, I enjoy going to school. I enjoy going there because I learned a lot of things. Yeah. What's the third thing? You said you had three. The third one was when I got married. Ah, yes. <laughs> when I got so we, married. I want to come to that. Before we before we move to that, um, what what high school did you go to? I went to Harrison High School. It was Harrison. Okay. And it's no longer Harrison High School. Gotcha. And so for your older siblings, were they kind of, as they were getting older, were they leaving the house and you're trying to figure out what you, you were going to do? And... Uh, like, like, how did you how did you start figuring out what was next for you as you were um, about to wrap up high school? Uh, for the oldest sibling, it was just my brother, Gene, and I. We were the oldest two. My mm-hmm. brother went to school, the same high school I went to. Gotcha. And, uh, when, he, when he finished school, he went to ROTC. Uh, and when I finished school, I wanted to be a nurse. So I started out going to a nursing school. Mm-hmm. It was late at night and I would have to go and I'd have to come back by myself. So I decided that wasn't a goal. I guess I really didn't have anything in mind really to do. So I just started working. I got a job and went to work. Mm-hmm. All I right. So then, so then back to um, you meet your husband. How, how'd you meet him? And uh, how did that go when he had to uh, um, see if your dad was okay with that? <laughs> Boy, that's a story. <laughs> oh, it, it's, I'm going to go short ways. Uh, I met my husband through his mother. Mm. 
his mother had a daughter at home and she was a young girl. She had just come from the South, from Georgia, and she had one kid. She had no friends. And so we used to take the bus every day. And she used to, I used to sit down and most of the time she would, I, I don't know if she would sit by me or what, but we would get off the bus at the same time and right. we walk the same way. And so one day she asked me my name and we got to talking, you know, conversation thing. And she asked me, say, well, I have a young daughter and she has no friends. I would like for you to come down and meet her so she because she had just come up here then. And uh, she said, she needs somebody, you know, some associations. So I told her, okay. So I went home and I asked my father because I was still, I was out of high school, but I was in my father's house and rules are rules then. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I met this lady on the bus and she wanted me to meet her daughter. And she lives down the street because we could see straight down the street because the street was like one of those streets you go down, the long street that you go yep. down. And uh, she, and he said, I have to meet her before you can go to her house. Oh, boy, I thought this was going to be a test out of the world. So I begged him, I begged him, and he let me go. But we all, when my father would send us places, he would always let one of the other siblings go with you. You couldn't go nowhere by yourself. Mm-hmm. So me and my sister went down, and that's how I went in and I met my sister-in-law. Her name was Lillian. And uh, we got we hit it off right away. We hit it off right away. And she started coming to visit me at my house, and I would go down and visit her house. And then her brothers, I saw her brother, and her brother saw me. And uh, we just started talking, you know, talking, and then we started going together. So as they say, dating. Yes. And that's how I met my, my husband. That's great. Now, <laughs> go but, ahead. He always tell the stories because he's always telling stories. He say he used to tell everybody when she came to my mother's house, she would never take a coat off. And I used to always tell the lady, I said, well, I had the worst shape in the world, so I had a nice shape. So when I took my coat off, he said, Mom, I'm gonna marry that girl. <laughs> <laughs> he thought you was hiding it. Uh, you were like, you're like, no, I just want to keep my coat on. Yeah, I with my coat on. It was wintertime anyway when I met her and stuff. So it was, it was fun. It, it takes you take him to tell the story about me and him and how we met. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. funny. So so eventually uh, the two of you, you get married, you move into a studio apartment. Uh, you get pregnant, have your first child. I think that's early 60s, 62. And uh, your husband decides he's done working for people and he, he wants to go into entrepreneurship. And yes. so... He, he has learned photography. Um, and uh, so you and him, you start a photography business. Uh, one of the things I love about this story is that um, uh, you got some marketing strategy there where you were giving customers a coupon for the family portrait picture, but then you charged them to get the printing. <laughs> no, the, the thing was, we would give them, if they wanted, to, if they would, uh, if they wanted a portrait, we would give them a coupon and they would get one picture made for a dollar. And okay. If they wanted any more family portraits, because people love their family. So right. he, he, my husband, he had he was a kind of man who take the picture of the kids, the mother and the father, and then the then the mother by herself and the father by herself, then the whole group. And you know when people see pictures like that, what do they want? Oh, they want oh I see you. So I see you. <laughs> so you so you were charging for the individuals and then Yeah, see we would do like this. We would charge for you get the coupon. A dollar coupon mm-hmm. to get a picture made, and if you like it, you you know you paid the dollar for that picture. But if you like the rest of them, you had to buy whatever you want out of that yeah. out of those shots. See, you could either yeah. take the dollar coupon and take the family portrait and be fine with it, or you can come back and say, "Well, I want the family portrait for the dollar, but I want to add some more to it. They might want some with the kids, uh, uh, with uh, them by themselves." So. Sometimes they would take it with their children, and then the mother and the father, see, they would take pictures. And you always got a little small snapshot, so they wanted a little small picture, something to put in their wallet. So. Right. 
There you go. <laughs> now, what'd you call the photography business? It was called Henderson Studio. Gotcha. Now, while you're running uh, Henderson Studio, you um, you visited uh, another business that was selling records, and you you like this interesting idea. T- tell me, you know, where was this place? You know, what was the name of that place, and and what did it spark once you saw that? Uh, it's been, you know, that place was out in Maywood, but when the reason why I, I met it is because we were running the studio, and at first I would I decided to help keep the uh, the finances going. I took a job at Sears warehouse out in Melrose Park. And while I was out there, I met a real nice young lady and she uh, had a friend, had a shoeshine shop in Maywood and a record shop. It was combined together. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went in and she said, well, I got to go by. I forgot his name. And uh, she uh, she took me by there and uh, I was looking and I said, now we have a studio. Maybe we can do the same thing. So when I came home, I got, she, she uh, when I, when she dropped me off at the L, I came up I came home and I mentioned it to him. I said, you know, I was telling him, I always, his name is Charlie Joe, but everybody knew him by Joe. So I said, Joe, I, uh, I saw this dude, I saw this record, this uh, shoeshine place and this man had records in it. I said, when could we do that with the studio? He at first, he wasn't interested in it. And then I was telling him about, you know, he had a small amount on the wall. Mm-hmm. He was coming in, he was selling records, he was shining shoes and it was being profitable. So. I didn't want to work no way, so I wanted to get in. So <laughs> I I was like him. I didn't want to work every day pushing a clock. Right. So said, well, we're going to try it. And so we set it up like that. We set the studio up. We set it, I mean, the records up in the studio. And from then on, we had a record shop. It just, it worked. How, how long did it to, for you to, uh, uh, like, figure out where to get the records? Like, how was that process? Oh, well, we knew where to get the records from. Okay. Just process of going to get them and having the money to buy it. So we pooled the money together. And mm-hmm. we, uh, we met another young man. His name was George. He had a record, he had a record store on the west side too. It was called George Music Room. But he would sell, you know, he would come by our shop and he would tell us, say, uh, when we first met him in a Bernie's Records, that was another record shop. These was basically black uh, guys that would uh, wholesale records to you. Mm-hmm. So first we went to Bernie's on uh we we found out where he was. He was over on Ogden and I think in the eighteen hundred block. And uh we told him that we had opened up a record shop and that we wanted to get records. We had no credit. But he <laughs> he was real nice. We started out buying little little bit by little bit. So then he extended us credit. And every time we want records, we would go get them and then we would pay him with a check, you know, when our checks would come in. And uh Kept kept going and kept going because the first record we ever sold, like I told you, was Culling Him Father by the Winstons. Mm. And that record was going so good, every radio station in Chicago, I think even even the uh, white station was playing that song because that record was so nice. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, everybody just loved it and loved it. And so we would put we put twenty five in the shop that day, and we got a few like ten or fifteen of the other records. You know, after a while. Those records that color him father when we looked up that spot was empty, so we had to call and get some more. That was spot this like this days or hours? Uh, like every every in a couple of about about a, in a few hours we sold all those records because wow. we just opened up that record shop and people were glad to see it because they had to go on Roosevelt Road to get records, uh, go this place to get records, and we were ready. We were neighborhood, right, right. Walk, they could walk around the street around the corner and get the records, and it was it was like a 
the neighborhood was really flourishing because we had Goldblatt and we had all the Walgreens and all the main stores up and down the street. Uh, Madison then was thriving and people was always there and they heard about the record shop around the corner. Everybody would come. And so we had a, we had a little decent business there and we sold quite a few of those records. Including, I forgot to tell you, including Al Green. Because oh, Al wow. Green was hot during them years. So mm-hmm. all of James Brown, all of them, they just jumped off the hook. And by us being there, we could always sell records. And every Friday, and we always laughed about it because we knew every Friday, people that love their records would come in, they would buy 1045s and maybe three LPs. Mm-hmm. And we figured it out. We used to always say it's a rhythm to it. It's 1045s and three LPs. You know what they're going to get to me. And the records just, it was nice. So then from there, we just started opening up the record shops. Now, um, how much was uh, a 45 and how much was an LP back then? How much did it cost? was 49 cents. Hmm. Uh, LP was probably four nine eight or five nine eight then. Okay, people were spending money then. That was well. You know what? It wasn't. It, the thing about it is, people wasn't rich, but people enjoyed themselves. Right. I mean, that was like the thing worth that they valued enough to spend their money on. You know, it was an entertainment thing. You know, people would go out on weekends. They would hear music and they liked it. They would come back. And of course, then people would have family over, so you play your records. Mm-hmm. your cars or you make your dinners and stuff and people just enjoy music. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah because I guess if you had um the if the LPs are 45 50 cents and you know so that's $5 for 10 of those and then $5 each for the LPs, they're spending about $20. So they show up and they like I'm I'm gonna invest $20. That makes sense. Yeah, it was a good thing, you know. And like, you know, maybe this week they would buy that and then they may wait another week, they'll come back and they'll buy it because their money, you know, was flourishing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'd come in and get two or three records or three. It's just mostly right. clientele and you had to undercline and tell. Some people would buy three and four records and one LP. Some people would just buy forty fives because they like the forty fives, you know. Get so the specific like, one. Yeah, it was a going thing. What um so as you guys started building this business, uh, you know, you had gone at your peak to 10 locations. So so what was the point where, you know, let's start at location one and you're like, I think we want to have a, a second location. Um, like, like, how did you how did you get enough confidence? Because, you know, you know, entrepreneurs and business folks are always trying to figure out, like, I want to I want to build something. I want to grow something. How did you and your husband um, kind of get to the point that says, like, this isn't just you know, us two running this, we're going to go have a, a second and a third location. Well, you know, I, I had, I had, I had sisters and brothers that were in the, in the, in the uh, running make of this because what happened is that we had that one shop. So we have been, we've had several business, but the one business, the record shop business is the one that mostly keep us going. But we had a, we had moved on uh, across the street, from Goldblatt, there was an opening store there, real large. And so my husband said, well, I'm going to make it an entrepreneur. And we named this store Tiki Alley. We put the bamboo huts, put the bamboo stuff around mm-hmm. the walls and everything. My husband was a, a bitch, a visionary. He always thought of something to do. Right. And uh, he, and it was, it was, it was real large. So he said, well, we're going to set up the record shop in there. We're going to set up some wigs in there. And we're gonna set up some girls in there to cut hair, which he did. And mm-hmm. then another guy come in and he say, Well, can I have a spot for popcorn and, <laughs> and candy? He say, Yes, you got that. Another guy would come in and say, Can I have a spot? So it was like a little It's like a mall. Free mall, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so 
as it died down, we just kept our records in there. As everybody moved on, you know, they they found their own way. If they wanted right. to go somewhere, they would go. So we kept it like that. And we just kept going with it. We had the hair and the few clothes and we had the records and we just kept going with that. So he decided that somebody said, why don't you all open the record up on the north side? We have to come out way over. He opened it up on the north side. <laughs> now, what was the record store brand called? What'd you guys call that? Henderson, Henderson, number one, number two, number three. So okay. Then he said, uh, somebody said, well, why don't you open up one on the south side? So he opened up one on the south side. <laughs> oh. Then he opened up one out on 100 in Roseland. He said, okay, that was it. And I was traveling with three kids on the bus, I mean, on the L's, and the bus was going to make sure stuff was set up and coming back and tired mm-hmm. as I was from stuff. But he just kept opening up, opening up. So I, I just got tired. I told him, I said, we, had a, we just have to close some of these things down. So then we started combining records together. And okay. the records, too. We got down to just two stores. And I got about 10 million, 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 trillion of records here now. <laughs> on up. And uh, so uh, we just kept going records and records. So we finally settled down. We had this one down the street, which I just got rid of because him being sick, we couldn't run it. Mm-hmm. We went to this one right now. This one, this polar shop, I think it's going to explode because it's got more than it needed music. It's coming out the ears around mm-hmm. here. Stuff is packed, packed, packed. But down to this store and. He said he was going to name this out of the past because we had so much stuff from the past. Because we had old earrings, chains, Afro wigs, all that stuff we had. Right. And that's, so, that's magic. So, you know, when you, I mean, people who are listening, they can't see our conversation right now, but you, you know, you are in the store, right? I mean, we hear the energy, we hear some of the background. Um, that That's like, I love it. Um Today, when someone walks in, um, like, who are your customers? Is it most, is it collectors? Is it people who are looking for a specific song they can't find? Like, like who, I mean, I see all this great kind of product in the background. Who, uh, who's shopping at the stores these days? Uh, collectors. I have people come from Europe. Mm-hmm. I had a guy that was coming in. He, he didn't, I don't know if he got sick or what, but he had called and said he was coming in on the 20th of this month, but I haven't heard from him. But I have people come in from France. From England, Germany, Korea, and they all over. They come because they say my store. People tell them about this store, and they have to come see it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they look and they they enjoy. I know one time we had a guy come from England, and uh, his name was Major, and he wanted to come in and he wanted to stay. So I said. <laughs> I have to go home. And I hope Major's listening because he was in England and uh, he used to come over all the time. We had come good, real good, real, real close people together. And uh, I said, Major, I have to go home. He said, well, lock me in. I said, lock him in. And I went home. Wow. <laughs> so he stayed in. I had two guys did that. We locked him in. They stayed all night. When we come back, they were there. So wow. they, they enjoyed it. We had I mean, so time. much history and all of those songs and all that, that product. That's just amazing. I could see that. We have young folks, a lot of young people are beginning to come in now because records are beginning to reinvent themselves. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of young folks that want their music. And I, I'm very proud of my granddaughter because you wouldn't have never know. She's only 30. She's in her 30s. She might just be 30. And she <laughs> no more music, I think, now than I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's great that you're passing that on. Yes. Um, I, I want to go back to the kind of the different businesses uh, that, you know, you guys had um, because, well, one, when you had the other businesses from other people, today we would call that probably something like an incubator where you're actually 
training or helping those folks get started because it's not just giving them space. They're seeing how to operate, right? They're learning how to grow their business. And it sounds like some of those kind of, you know, graduated and kind of went on to do their thing. Um, now you were selling wigs. You had the, you know, cutting hair, uh, bone earrings. What was oh, this business about? You, you all have your laugh now. When we had the record shop at Aesop Alaska and we had started out, everything was going great. So we had to put in these, you know, wigs that came in and the afros was a thing. So we would cut them down. So uh, people would, uh, my husband would say, well, some people going to start breaking in. So he said, somebody, they had a break in around us. So he said, well, I'm going to get a dog to protect his stuff. But he had decided, his, he has always been a adventurous person. He's always inventing and going beyond. So he said, well, I know what I'm going to do. He said, with the wigs, you can make those earrings. Let's make some bone earrings to go with the afro. I let him go ahead because that was his thing. And he would, they would dry them out, spray them, put the shiny gloss on them, and put the hooks in them and hang them on the wall. And he had a wall full of earrings. I wish I could have took a picture of it then. <laughs> and he put this big old shepherd in there. The, mm-hmm. shepherd, the shepherd was supposed to protect the store. Right. So we, who, well, when we woke up the next morning, he went down there. I was at home. <laughs> he called me. He said, Marie, you're not going to believe this. The dog has ate all the earrings. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So the German shepherd ate the earrings that was supposed to protect the store. They were bones. I guess the dog got bored and he decided to have him a, a picnic on the earring wall. So he ate the earrings. I mean, he ate every one of them up. He chewed them all. I don't know if he swallowed them or not, but they was crunched. Everything, every time I guess he decided he wanted one, he'd grab up and grab whatever was on the wall and take it down. So that so, taught him a lesson. So these bone earrings were actually made out of bones. Yeah, chicken bones, neck bones. <laughs> that is fantastic. The dog says, well, I don't think this is product. I think this is my nighttime yeah. snack. He had turkey bones up there, all kind of colors. They were red and yellow and white and blue and green because he had painted them. And he had chicken bones. He had the neck bones. They were all kind of, and you know, bones, they all have different forms and shapes. And that's mm-hmm. what he was. And he had them up there, but the dog finished that. We didn't have earrings no more. No more bone earrings. That's so, hilarious. How did you, how do you, sorry, I want to understand how you actually even make these things. How do you like get all the gristle and everything off the bone? Like you boil them down or something? Once the people, once the people cook them mm-hmm. and they just put them in a pile, there's nothing left but bones. People, yeah. you know, I don't know if you ever ate neck bones or yeah. stuff like that. Okay. Well, you know, when you clean them, well, whatever's left there, if you boil them down again, it's going to clean them anymore. And you just clean them up. Yeah. And you can put a little tack in it and make a hole. And put the hook on it, and you got an earring. There you go. Okay. I love that uh, ingenuity. Now, you were talking about uh, Madison Street. You know, that was kind of a premium location for businesses, uh, you know, back in the 70s. Tell me more about that energy. Like, why was that the hot hot spot, and what other businesses were there? Well, on Madison Street, it was basically, uh, it was a mixture of... uh, it was it was a mixture of different nationalities. There was it was Jewish nationality, which was real nice, and I think you might have a little Polish over there. You might have a little German over there. They had the stores there, and the stores was when I first came in the neighborhood. It was it was all you know mostly we say uh, white stores, and from from where I am now, forty four hundred on down, it was nothing but stores, and the stores was okay. But as we moved in, because down on that end on Pulaski and Madison, it was just like State Street, any nice store you want was down there on Madison. Mm-hmm. 
and you, it stopped around the 40, well, 4,300 is when the store stopped. But any store you want, you could buy anything you wanted down there then because all the stores, they had named, they had very good products. I say name brand products and stuff in there. And it was a, it was a joy to go down there. You didn't have to go out the neighborhood to shop because you had everything the stores downtown had just about. And if mm-hmm. you wanted to go downtown, you could go downtown. But I, most people, older people like me that moved in this area at that time, they can tell you it was like a booming. And Roosevelt Road was the same thing. It was you didn't you didn't have to really go all the way downtown, being in the neighborhoods we were, but because the stores had what you want, mm-hmm. you know, grocery stores. We had grocery stores. You didn't have to really go far to go grocery shopping. We had drug stores. We had all kind of. We had you know it was like a a neighborhood booming. Yeah. Uh, that's great energy. Now, through all of these businesses, um, I mean, this is a ton of experience. Give me, you know, two things that you've learned about business that, you know, a young entrepreneur should should keep in mind if they're going to go think about starting their own business. I give him what my husband thought about when he was a young entrepreneur. When he started out with the studio, he always told me, he said, this may not last forever. So always think of something else that you have in mind that you want to go into. So that's why when we had our business, my husband never stopped. He was a thinker. Mm-hmm. We started out with the uh, records. We started out with the studio in the record shop. We went over to there and we had the wigs. I had a head store next to it, but things that didn't strive, stuff don't last always because stuff comes in and then it goes out. So as things begin to fade, he said, well, I got to find something else to do because I got to make the living. I have to take care of my family. So he started out with the, the studio, the record shop, the wig store. He had a hat store. He even tried a restaurant, but we didn't want that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he And then he always stuck with his records. And so my husband, he he just always be inventing something. If he saw, if he goes somewhere, like he would go to trade shows and he would look and he see what they have. People would tell him what's selling. And he put it in his mind. He say, well, I'm going to try this. And if it works, I'll put it in my store. And he ventured out. And he always said, never, he tell my children, he say, you, if you want something, you have to work for it. Motivate your mind. And if you if you work for it, you can earn it. Don't think nobody's going to give you anything. So he always had that in his mind. So he always kept ahead of what was going on. And I say that because when records shops when they start saying that CDs and cassette well because when A tracks came in, people say, Well, we're not gonna need the 45s no more. We have A tracks. He said, No, I'll keep my 45s. So when the A tracks went out and the cassettes came in, they said, Well the A tracks taking over the cassettes. He said, No, I'm gonna keep my A tracks. Mm-hmm. So when when the uh, when the, the CDs start coming in, they say, Yo, you need to get rid of all your cassettes and get rid of all these records because CD is going to be the going thing. He said, no, I'm going to keep my records. I'm going to keep my eight tracks. I'm going to keep my cassettes. He said, now, anything else want to come behind it, that's all right with me. <laughs> he didn't worry about it. So everybody sold their CD, sold their uh, records, and they sold their cassettes, and they throw out their eight tracks, and they got rid of the LP. And guess what? Everything is coming back now. So Yep. He was always a visionary. He always saw something. He said, I'm not getting rid of nothing. He loves the stock stuff, so. We're here with everything. So I'm down to eight tracks, cassettes, LPs, CDs, uh, whatever. We got them. <laughs> yeah, it's a, ma- it's a massive collection. It's pretty, it's very impressive. Um, <laughs> before we wrap up, uh, 
I mean, you just got a great story. And I love your energy. But what, what's uh, what's a message you would share with the world, uh, not just about business, but in life? In life? Mm-hmm. I had said once before that if we could all get along together, but we know. So we just have to learn. With this epidemic going on, we're going to have to just, you know, you have to take your time and observe each other's respect as we're for us wearing the mask and keeping yourself uh, safe. Loving your children. It's just it's so much so much love there that's not seen. So if we learn to love each other, regardless of, like I say, what color we are, we'll be much better off. But people got to learn that, you know, they have to learn it. It cannot be taught. You can teach hate, but you cannot teach love. That's the thing about it. So you got to earn it, you know. People mm. need to earn it. They have to earn it, you know. Yeah. Well, I love your energy. And uh, I mean, you've had a full life, right? You have what, 12 grandchildren. Um, you, uh, what are you at, 80? I'm 80. Congratulations. I have, I have 12 grandchildren, uh, seven great grandchildren. Mm-hmm. I have uh, five kids. And I have a host of relatives and friends, and uh, I love them all. So I hope you're relaxing and, and enjoying life. I am. I am. Nothing, nothing bothers me. <laughs> I always tell them, shake it off. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, I think, uh, you know, both you, Marie and, and Charlie Joe, you guys made some magic with that record store. Oh, yes. He made the magic and I followed behind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the support and I love the journey. Um, if anyone is um, uh, interested in checking out the store, what's, what's the address of, of this, the current store? Well, we're here in Chicago, Illinois, on Madison, 4407 West Madison Street, here in Chicago. And uh, and in, in fact, we have a, uh, they can they can check out the store through our uh, website. We have a website. Uh, do we have a, well, but a guy here with the Facebook. It's a Facebook, uh, Out of the Past. Out of the Past. Out of the Past. We'll put uh, it in the show notes so people can click on it so they don't have to remember it. And they can also listen to the music at uh, out of the past record. Oh, that's great. So you can tune in and you can hear some of the music that we have in here. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you sharing. And Marie, I think uh, just in general, thank you again for joining us today. I love the energy uh, of this story. Uh, it's fantastic. I appreciate you. I appreciate you letting me do it. <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed it. I'm sure they did. And thanks to everyone who did join us today uh, with our conversation with Marie Henderson. Uh, we hope you as well have enjoyed your time. Please leave us a great review wherever you listen to our show. I'm LaShawn. Thanks again. And remember, dream big, stay curious, and always share your true voice. See you next time. This is True Voice.